If you brought your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 12. We want to look at a passage of Scripture there, and then 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll look at a passage of Scripture there. Genesis and then 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Genesis chapter 12. This morning I want to share just a sermon that I've entitled Fulfilling Prophecy. Fulfilling Prophecy. Just thinking about things that's been happening uh, recently. And so uh, I'd like for us to look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and I'll make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. And curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now the majority of us are aware of this series of events that have been happening in our world in the most recent days. Just to call your attention to a few, remember the Malaysian airliner that vanished from off a of radar and has not been located. Another Malaysian airliner was shot down flying over the Ukraine, and strong evidence points toward Russia or the Ukraine-Russian separatists as the culprits that shot that airliner down. And then ISA, radical militant Muslim terrorist group, has taken over one-fourth of the country of Iraq including the second largest city, which is the city of Mosul, they've persecuted and murdered thousands of Christians, have given them a deadline to either renounce Christianity, to pay a tax, or to be put to death. In 1983, there were 60,000 Christians in Mosul. And as of yesterday... There were zero. Then recently, three Jewish boys were captured, and they were burned to death, and wars broke out between the Arabs and the Jews in Gaza. To some, it appears that current events, that these current events are just a winding down of the world as we know it. To those who have rejected biblical prophecy in the past, and just the simple teaching of God's Word, just please remember that prophecy is, is divine, really the divine security system to alert us ahead of time of pending events that are on God's calendar. Now, there are four reasons for studying what God has said for centuries through the prophets. First of all, prophecy reveals the purpose of God. His Holy Scripture is His way of communicating to us. 
Prophecy demonstrates, secondly, the ability to know the future. Nations rise and fall, but at His design, at God's design. God literally is on the throne of every nation. He determines the life of nations. Then third, prophecy is absolutely accurate. That's why we should uh, study prophecy. Peter had read the writings of Zechariah and Isaiah and Daniel and other prophets. He'd been an eyewitness to the fulfillment of the coming of Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, listen to what God's Word says. I think it's on the screen there. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place unto the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So Peter knew that the prophecy, he was an eyewitness, but he knew how important prophecy, how important prophecy was, because at times eyewitnesses sometimes get it wrong. But when God speaks, His communication is totally perfect. His word is never wrong. You can bet your eternal soul on the accuracy of biblical prophecy. Whatever the Bible declares that is going to come about will come about. Now, it may not come about in our time, but it will come about in His time. I like when the Bible says, in the fullness of time, and in the fullness of time. It's His fullness of time. And then fourth, we study prophecy because prophecy validates the authority of God's Word. I can remember my parents telling me from time to time, I told you so. I told you so. They told me something would take place, and it took place. They, they told me so. They were prophetic in that sense. The cults that we have on earth today make strange statements, and they love to tickle people's ear with ideals, but they're silent about the future. They make no prediction about the future. However, the Bible is filled with specifics about the future, about tomorrow. Just consider for a while the absolute accuracy about the birth of Jesus that we find in the Bible. The time and the place described is described in Daniel chapter 9. The time that he would be born, the place that he would be born, the fact of his birth, the virgin birth, is prophesied in Isaiah 7, verse 14, fulfilled in his, in his life. The place of his birth, prophesied in Malachi 5, verse 2, accurate. The technicalities of his death, Psalms 22, Isaiah 53, prophesied and then accurate. His resurrection, Psalm 16, verse 10, prophesied, but then pinpoint accuracy. 
So there are many, many, many other prophecies concerning Jesus, and all of them are to pinpoint accuracies. One mathematician determined that the odds of all biblical prophecies coming true in the life of one person, Jesus Christ, is 1 in 87 followed by 93 zeros. Prophecy concerning Christ. And so I suggest to you this morning that the things that we hear and see in regards to current events are just simply the fulfilling of God's prophecies. They shouldn't take us by surprise. Well, what about the the lasting peace between the Arabs, the Palestinians, and the Jews? Well, if you think according to God's Word, there'll be no lasting peace in that land until the Prince of Peace comes back, sets his feet down upon the Mount of Olives, the, the mountain will divide, and then he'll walk down the Kidron Valley, down the mount to the, through the Kidron Valley, through the Eastern Gate to the New Temple, and there he'll take his rightful place as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Until then, until the Prince of Peace comes back, there won't be any long-lasting peace in the Mideast. Here's the point. Conflict has been going on between the Arab and the Jew for thousands of years. To give you a little history, it began, if you remember, God was going to honor Abraham's faith and his obedience, and God told Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation. Genesis 15, 4 through 5. But there was one problem. His wife Sarah was old. She would be what we would call today uh, postmenopausal. She had could not have children. She had no children, could not have children, would never have children. And so Abraham's wife Sarah tried to help God out with this situation. And so she asked Abraham to visit the tent of her Egyptian maid, Hagar. And Abraham said, okay. And so he visits her tent and sleeps with Hagar, and she became pregnant, and a baby by the name of Ishmael was born. Then later, Sarah had the child that God promised her and Abraham, and they named him Isaac. Therefore, the Jews are descendants from Isaac, the promised child to Abraham and Sarah. But the Arabs are descendants from Ishmael, the child of Hagar. Now the question is, did God honor Ishmael? Yes, God honored him. God said, you be fruitful, you'll be fruitful. He was, his tribe was. You'll be the father of 12 nations. You'll be a great nation. However, the promise to Abraham was through Abraham and Sarah's firstborn, Isaac, and not to Ishmael. And so the title to the promised land, the title deed to the promised land, Israel, was passed from Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob. And so the conflict began in the family when Ishmael did not inherit the promise. And for thousands of years, that conflict has been going between the descendants of Isaac and the descendants of Ishmael. However, we find today that the conflict goes deeper than land disputes. It's become theological. It's, it, it's, 
It's Judaism versus Islam now. Islam's theology insists that Islam triumphs over everything. That's when you go into an, an Arabic city that uh, you'll, you'll see the Islamic prayer tower, and that's the highest point of the city. It has to tower over everything else, over everyone else. It's the high point in the city. And so understand this, that regardless what the Arabs say about peace, their religion demands that they defeat the Jew. Simply put, Muslims proclaim the doctrine of triumphantism, triumphant over everyone. In his book, The Last Days, Morris Farhai believes that there's, no, there's not going to be no, no peace with the Jew, no peace with the Christian, or any other non-Islamic people. That peace is not possible. Only a truce is possible, and that, and I quote, for a maximum of ten years as an expedient to have our swords sharpened and to whet our blood and to strengthen our will. Page 201 in the book, The Last Days. John Hagee said in his book, The Final Dawn, the point is, is not about land, it's about theology. And the fundamental Muslim today must destroy the Jew and the rule of the Jew. If that's not the case, then Muhammad is a false prophet and the Koran is not true. The last Amman of Hamas summed it up, summed their philosophy up so well that it was included in the covenant of Hamas. And I'll quote, Israel will exist and will continue to exist until Israel will exist, excuse me, and will continue to exist until Islam will obliterate it just as it obliterated it before. So based on Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, I'll bless them that bless you, I'll curse them that curse you. I know whose side I'm on. For me to be blessed, I have to realize, first of all, the nation was created by a sovereign act of God. All other nations created have been created out of war. Our nation was created out of war. Israel was, was intentionally created by God. He created the earth, and he can give it to who he wants to. So in order for me to be blessed, I have to understand that the nation was created, Israel was created by a sovereign act of God. To be blessed, God established Israel's national geography boundaries. A landline was drawn by God himself. God is the divine surveyor. For Israel. For me to be blessed, I have to understand that Israel has a spy in the sky. Psalm 12, verse 4 says, He who keeps Israel neither slumbers or sleeps. God has his eye on Israel. To be blessed, number four, 
prosperity or punishment depends on how we treat Israel. Genesis 12, verse 3. I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. How hard is that for us to understand as America? Here's the point. God simply smiles on the friends of Israel, and they enjoy his favor. However, God will answer every act of anti-Semitism with harsh and final judgment to those that abuse Israel. The quickest way for any nation to get on God's good side is to stand with Israel at their time of need. If we do, we'll be blessed. If we don't, we'll be cursed. Example, Egypt. If you remember, Egypt had several slaves, almost three million Jewish slaves. God wanted them to go to a place to worship him. Egypt refused to let them go. And finally, Pharaoh said they could go, and they left because of the harsh treatment in the past of the Egyptians. All of a sudden, the entire army was destroyed. The Amalekites destroyed, Exodus 17, verse 8, wanted to start war with Israel, Exodus 17, 14 through 16. Because of their behavior with Israel, God made a promise that the entire nation of the Amalekites would be completely wiped out, and they were, 1 Samuel 15, 2 through 3. England, cursed. Hitler, cursed. Stalin, cursed. Spain, in 1492, when Columbus set sail, Queen Isabella spoke an edict of expulsion and expulsed 850,000 Jews. John Philip said in his commentary, not until the coming of Hitler did the Jews suffer such widespread persecution as they did in Spain. And Spain went from a major power to an unheard of nation. I wonder if America will be added to the list that I just mentioned. You know, it's not that we must agree politically on everything, but we better not make life grievous for God's people. That's the point. Prophecy is important. It reveals God's purpose. It demonstrates God's ability to know the future. It's, it's absolutely accurate. It's specific about tomorrow. But did you know that the next event that's scheduled you to take place on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church? Look, if you will, at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, familiar passage. We should have that on the screen for you in just a moment. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. He says, Paul said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not. You know, the word sleep there refers only to the Christian as a time of death. It doesn't refer to the lost person. Any place in the Bible is death but it refers to the Christian. 
Because after a while, after a short time, after our eyes close, when we open them again, we'll be in the presence of the Lord Jesus. He said, I wouldn't have you to be ignorant concerning those which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as those that have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Let me just say it's going to get a lot worse for the Jew in the days and the months and the years to come. However, for the believer, we're getting ready to lead this world. Not for the hypocrite, the pretender, not for the person who has just a religious background, but one who has had a new birth experience with Christ. Not for the earth dweller, who everything that he enjoys or she enjoys is found upon this earth. You think you're going to be, you think you were shocked when 200 plus people became missing from an airplane. Just wait until there's thousands and thousands and thousands all over the world missing because Jesus came and he took them with him. Friend, listen, if you want to meet him in the air, you have to meet him at the cross. You have to ask Christ to, to forgive you and to come into your life and save you. You have to trust him and him only for your salvation. It's too big a gamble to think, hey, I may be going to heaven, or, you know, if I'm lucky, I'll be going. It's not that. You've got to know you're going, and you can know you're going. The Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. One of my favorite songs is, Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away, and that's exactly what's going to happen one day. God's coming back to rapture his church. It may be today. It may be tomorrow. Let's just pretend that in the morning you get up early and you're doing your devotion. It's 6 a.m. and you're having your quiet time. And at 6.01 you say, Lord, I'm just so tired in this old world. Just come, Lord Jesus, come. And then at 601.2, the father turns to the son and he says, Jesus, go get my children. And at 601.3, you hear a great trumpet sound. And then at 601.4, the graves open and the dead in Christ rise. And then at 601.5, those who remain shall be caught up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. In a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Some will be taken, some will be left. The point is, are you ready for that prophecy to be fulfilled? That is the next thing to happen on God's prophetic calendar. 
Let's bow our heads for prayer.